Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And I felt the hankering this week to do another ranking of sorts. And uh, I brought up in our Slack channel, guys, that, hey, maybe we should do our uh, another top five. And C- Connor brought up our top five games on our favorite console. And I said, maybe we should all pick the same console. And then, Connor, you went with GameCube. So Yeah, uh, I GameCube's been my favorite console for a long time, mainly for nostalgia reasons. Because, like, you know, I'll be the first to say it. If you look at, like, the heavy hitters on GameCube, they were... Um, very flawed games most of the time, you know? Uh, that was a time Nintendo went through a lot of... Um, a lot of games got released early because of deadlines and stuff, but they're still, like... Yeah, I'm not going to list anything right now, but they're still games that I replay all the time, even if it is just out of nostalgia. You know, D- Dolphin was, like, the first emulator I ever learned to use. Um, I've played a bunch of them in Dolphin VR because that's super cool, uh, which is a virtual reality emulator. Uh... You know, it's a little old, but if you can get it to work, it's pretty cool. And, you know, I still have my childhood GameCube hooked up, and I play it from time to time. Yeah, I mean, I I actually still have my GameCube working as well. Granted, like, the power port is a little finicky. Like, it has to be, like, plugged in at a certain angle. But it does still work. And the GameCube is really interesting to me, because if I go back and think on it, like, at that age, my tastes weren't, I guess, we can say as developed as they are today, right? So, like, I had... And we'll, we'll, we'll see this as we get into our list. I have some definite gaps. Uh, games that would be on any, you know, sensible person's top five GameCube list uh, that I've just straight up never played. So I feel like my list might be a little unique in that regard. I have some games that probably anybody with decent tastes would never put anywhere near their top five list. Oh, it looks so. like we're going to have a spicy top five then. Yeah. I'm going to okay. be super safe. <laughs> yeah, Mike, uh, before we started recording this, you mentioned that you uh, you haven't really played too many GameCube games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I, I guess I can kick us off. Does uh, Connor, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, I think my... Oh, I was just looking at my games. My honorable mention, probably Animal Crossing on the GameCube. That's surprising me. I thought you'd put that in your top five. I did too, but like I was sitting here, and I didn't even look at my game collection until I was getting honorable mentions. But uh, yeah, Animal Crossing, I love that game, But um, and the GameCube for a long time would have probably been my favorite, although I think uh, New Horizons is probably my favorite entry now. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of character to it, but it just looking back, I don't think the the hours I spent in it, it's just not as much as some of the others on my list. So, yeah, and I don't know if necessarily hours spent equates to like your has to, like your top five has to be your most five played games. Yeah, but a lot of it is like like a, a lot of my childhood. I remember coming home from school and like this is the game, like my default game that I played every yeah. day after school, and like and I think Animal Crossing. Like- was that for a while, but... Yeah, I think that's another important thing to consider. You know, like, our ages here. Uh, a lot of our top five lists for GameCube specifically will be dictated by, like, what we had growing up, right? Right, and you, you guys are both a little older than me, I believe, so... 
Yeah, but we're still in like, the same ballpark age yeah. range. So. Um, I actually have uh, five honorable mentions. Uh, I won't dwell on them too quick, but I did want to shout them out. One honorable mention here, Custom Robo. Have either of you played that game? I played the DS version. I don't know if that was a remake or a sequel, but it was amazing. Yeah, so it's like a it's a it's a Japanese like robot arena game slash RPG. And I remember having really fond memories of this game. Like I remember in grade school one of my friends got it and then like we all got it and then we would talk about it constantly. And I don't think I've played a game like it since. And and granted, like I could be heavily tinted by nostalgic goggles, but I seem to remember really enjoying the plot in that game, full of twists and lots of cool customizations to your robots and stuff. So, oh, if it was anything like the DS one, that was crazy. There was like one point where you're like working for the police or something. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I think so. yeah, Custom Robo has like a similar angle to it. Very strange. Yeah. So yeah, de- definitely wanted to shout that out. Another one. So I played lots of like licensed games when I was growing up. In some ways, that was like my bread and butter, actually. And uh, one of the franchises I really enjoyed was Dragon Ball Z, right? So I have on here Dragon Ball Z Sagas. Uh, and going back, it, it's a really bad game, honestly. But like I had a lot of fun with it, especially due to the fact that it was like a co-op campaign game, right? So you didn't fight each other. But you and, like, a friend could hop in and, like, progress through the levels and progress through the story. And I remember having a really fun time with it. And there's definitely moments in that game that are, like, so bad they're meme-worthy. So I I often reflect back on those moments now. Uh, So that's that's another honorable mention. Another one is Mario Party 5. Uh, Mario Party 5, I think to this day, is still my most played Mario Party and I remember really liking just the aesthetic of it because it incorporated, like, the star uh, spirits from Paper Mario as, like, the hosts of the various game modes. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Mario Party 5. Lots of hours spent playing that with family and friends. Uh, uh, honorable mention number four, Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh, again, <laughs> <laughs> right now I can recognize that Shadow the Hedgehog is a terrible, terrible game. But back then, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, like, this was my most anticipated game, like, I could remember when I was younger. Like, I was anticipating it so much, and when it finally came out, my family had to, like, go on a trip somewhere, like, vacation or something. And I remember, like, legit dreaming about this game every night. And I was just, like, obsessed with it. So, that's the kind of degenerate I am. It's a bad game. I don't think it's as bad as people (laughs) say it is. I, I, um... I still think Shadow the Hedgehog is a whole, whole lot better than Sonic Heroes, but... Yeah, so, yeah, Sonic, or Shadow the Hedgehog, yeah, was it was a seminal part of uh, my sixth grade year. And then lastly, I have on here uh, Star Fox Assault, so... Oh, wait, is that the one with the dinosaurs? No. Okay, because I hate that game. Yep, so Star Fox Assault, it was it was like a more traditional like third-person shooter type game. Like it had a campaign, but what was really fun in that game was the multiplayer. I really enjoyed it because like it had like land combat and aerial combat like all or- like in one mode, right? Or maybe I'm misremembering that. That might be false. But what I do seem to remember is the the land combat was really cool because you could, you know, run around, gather various weapons, and fight each other on foot, but you could also step into the Landmaster, which is like the tank, 
and there was aerial combat in the R wing. So like I I remember distinctly playing that with my sister and cousin like all the time. So that's why that game's on there. I, I thought of another uh, honorable mention I want to throw in real quick, and that's uh, Metroid Prime 1 and 2. Wow. I feel like those should be up there on the Oh, yeah, if I had better taste, those list. would yeah, be if I, absolutely. I think we've I never, already I've established never finished that. either of them, is the thing. Oh, wow, yeah. I actually, so, like, spoiler, I've never actually even played those games, so I'm very much looking forward to the rumored, like, Switch re-release of the, yeah. these these games. Kind of following into the, the theme of GameCube games having critical flaws... Um, the, the end of, um, Metroid Prime has this Buck Wild, like, uh, Wind Waker style, um, like, hunt for stuff you have to, like, have to open some door at the end of the game, and I got hard filtered by that as a kid. Like, I just didn't care enough to finish it. Oh, okay. And I don't think, uh, Metroid Prime 2 has that, but I never got far in Metroid Prime 2 because I wanted to be Prime 1. And this is a problem that has continued into my adult life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i beat prime prime three because it was a wii game and you know waggle and everything yeah i'm waggle. looking forward to the inevitable i hope it's inevitable the release of the trilogy on switch because i will absolutely dig into that and enjoy those for the first time but if we've got all our honorable mentions out of the way i guess i can start off with our with my personal number five Are you guys good to go yeah yep so my number five is Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, and I expect oh, only this, number five. Yeah, I, I expect this game will show up on your list, Connor, being the the Sonic freak that you are. But I have a little backstory to accompany this game, right? So, flashing back all the way to first grade, I played. Uh, my parents made me play like soccer, on like you know like a neighborhood soccer team or whatever, and uh, I met one of my you know, now a long time best friends there. Uh, his name is Ranga. And like, I remember one particular scrimmage. We were just like both like, like on the wings or something. We weren't really playing. We were just kind of on the side. And he started to like ask me like, hey, have you ever played a Sonic game? Like, and I said, no. And then he regaled me with the masterful plot of the Sonic Adventure games. And to my the first grade, plot is what drew you yes. in. <laughs> <laughs> and to my first grade ears, uh, this sounded like the greatest story I had ever heard. So, We're still talking about Sonic Adventure Two Battle, right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, hey, I was little and had bad is taste. It, okay? it, it's is would you say it's better than The Last of Us Two? <laughs> to my first grade brain, yeah. You heard it here, folks. Dude, <clears throat> so Sonic, Sonic's theme song from Sonic Adventure 2 Battle is to this day probably in my top ten songs. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the songs are really are really catchy. I will give yeah, that. Actually, but, uh, yeah, the game's the game has its flaws. Music, the soundtrack does not. The soundtrack is actually flawless. But yeah, after receiving that oral history of the Sonic plot across these two games, uh, Adventure One and Adventure Two. Like, I had my head full of, like... So so keep in mind, at this point, like, the only character I really know, you know, is Sonic, right? Because everyone's heard of Sonic. Like, every other character, I everything else was just imagined in my head. So I didn't know what Shadow was. I didn't know what a Bio-Lizard was, right? Like, everything See, I else... Didn't know what, I didn't know what Sonic was the first time I played Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. It was the oh, very wow. first Sonic exposure I ever had. <clears throat> yeah, I... I, I I, I'm sure I knew of Sonic at that point, but I was never really interested in it because I was always like a Nintendo kid. 
but you know like after hearing the the plot told to me like i was like wow this is something really cool and something that i got to check out so i think several years later actually i don't remember when but i picked up sonic adventure 2 battle for the gamecube and uh yeah like i was completely enthralled by it i thought the plot was epic sue me uh and in the, the gameplay is epic. Uh, okay so sonic sonic adventure 2 battles plot is weird and goofy but i would say that it is epic in in the most lighthearted way like it's not sonic adventure where nothing makes any sense at all to be sonic quite... adventure 2 within its own world and reasoning makes sense mostly <laughs> mostly yeah I will say, I think for me, what drew me into the plot the most was it was essentially just Dragon Ball Z, and I was a big fan of Dragon Ball Z as a kid. Um, like the Goku Vegeta Sonic Shadow parallels and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and they Dude, even go so, Super Saiyan at the end. Yeah, but, the uh, Saiyan saga has been done to death in different media, essentially. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, another aspect of this game that really drew me in, uh, which is the sh- the Chow Garden. Um, I remember spending countless hours just doing that, not even doing the main game. Uh, and I think, in fact, the Chow Garden stuff was so good, they could easily flesh that out and make that into a standalone game. Uh, See, I disagree. I, uh, I mean, I've looked at the Chow Garden a lot, and there, there are some fan, there are some standalone fan game Chow Garden stuff. <clears throat> But uh, yeah, I'll probably go into it a little more when we get to yeah. And you probably have more experience, more modern experience with Chow stuff than I do. Like I'm speaking strictly from my perspective as like, you know, a youngster playing this game. Like I remember being totally enthralled with like the Chow breeding and trying to get the rare Chows and like leveling your stats up and stuff. No, I was I was I have probably more hours in the Chow Garden than I'd I'd be proud to admit. But yeah, I think I've said my piece on Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Very, very seminal game for young, young Amid. Uh, I was drawn in by the plot of all things, but, but yeah. Uh, I'll go mine. Yeah. My number five. Uh, and I, I feel like this is probably going to appear on all three of our lists if I had to guess, but it is Super Smash Brothers Melee. Mm, interesting. Uh, I don't think you can list your favorite GameCube games without this being on the list somewhere, I feel like. Because it is, like, such a staple, you know? Yeah. Um, it was my first Smash Bros. I didn't play the N64 one before this. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. That I remember. Yeah, because I was pretty young. You know? <clears throat> yeah. But it, it was just the go-to game anytime friends were over. Uh, basically, until Brawl came out. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and I think... The, I never had I a Mario Kart game, so... Oh, wow, yeah. And I think, uh, I don't know if you're going to get into this, but the history of the development of this game is pretty interesting, too. It was a one-year development cycle, right? Something yeah, like that. and it was, like, very much rushed. Mm-hmm. Much like every GameCube game yeah. <laughs> that I know of. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think every game on my list has some crazy development-like issue. Every game except one. Uh, but yeah, uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, just, I mean, people still play it today. People still claim it's better than Ultimate. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily, but uh, definitely not for my personal taste. I would not enjoy playing Melee if it was put in front of me today, I don't think, compared to Ultimate. But um, 
fantastic game. Obviously, the GameCube controller and Smash Bros. are a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, you know, all the all the big characters are there. Uh, I did not know Samus was a girl when I played this game. Uh, yeah, a lot of people girl. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Metroid is a girl. Yeah. Metroid is a girl. You know, I learned that when I later got Metroid Prime and stuff. Um, and uh, Metroid Fusion. Just, yeah, uh, I don't even know what to say about Super Smash Bros. Melee. It's just amazing. You know, it's Smash Bros., and it was the best one up until Ultimate, I would say, in my opinion. And I think another really cool thing, and something that probably irks you, but it totally introduced the West to Fire Emblem. Like, no one knew who Roy See, I was 100% certain that Ness and all the Fire Emblem characters were original as a kid. I thought they were all original to Melee, and I was just fine with that. Especially since Ness's name was NES, I thought he was just like, oh, he's Nintendo, I guess. (laughs) Nintendo boy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always hated my friends when they played the Fire Emblem characters back then, too, but it was mostly because (laughs) of the counter. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a little kid who got filtered by counters hard. Yeah, I remember. I remember going to my friend's house for the first time. I I am playing this game. Uh, I played this game for the first time at a friend's house, and and it totally blew me away. I had played the original, but this one just felt so much snappier and faster, and uh, just right off the bat clicked with me a lot more. Yeah. And I might have more to say about that later. Uh, Mike. My first one's Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Oh, God. You see, that one was almost in my honorable mentions, because it is pretty it is good. the good. It's it's like an iconic GameCube feel game, isn't it? Like, It's also super hard. Yeah. Like, I don't think I ever beat it. I mean, either. I'm on the final area, I'm pretty sure, but I've never beaten it. And the multiplayer was iconic, too. To this day, I still have the theme song stuck in my head. Yeah, dude, didn't Alpha Red play it recently? Like, within the uh, past couple like, weeks? A year ago, I think. Yeah, well, he did it, and I was, like, it was one of those things, like, that game does exist. That's how I actually discovered Alpha Red. So someone really? needs to tell me what this yeah, game I is, because I have no idea. Well, oh my uh, god, you've never heard of Billy Hatcher? Okay, Mike, you gotta. You're, you're a chicken boy, you have the magical powers of chicken, and you're, you're, you're a boy in a chicken costume. Yeah. Yeah, you're in a chicken costume, and your entire goal is to rescue your friends, and <laughs> roll eggs. So you have to roll eggs around to unlock your friends and kill the crows. I think. Yep, they were crows. Yeah, they were crows. All the enemies were like these dark crow things. Sounds like a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, it really is a fever dream. <laughs> oh, nice. It's Honestly, made by Sonic Team, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it was made by Sonic Team. Yeah, and so, like, some of the eggs had straight-up Sonic characters hatch out of yeah. them. What? And all the eggs gave you, like, different companions that had different powers or, like... Yeah. And all the kinds goal, of weird stuff. The goal of most of the levels was, like... I mean, it was a collect-a-thon, essentially. Yeah. But a, a lot of the time you had to, like, hatch egg a specific egg. You were. we're in a bad time. Yeah. They had a bunch of playable characters too, but I think they were all the same. Okay, <laughs> just three skins. Three skins, yeah. But yeah. there was like a cute little girl. There was a, a giant got kid. There was Man a little. Tam. Kid. Yeah. Very, yeah, very interesting. much followed like the Sonic formula, where there were three, four characters that each had their different storyline or whatever. I think. 
It's been a hot I don't know minute. if they really had different storylines, because you only got to play as the other character for, like, one mission per level. Ah, yes. But um, they were all Billy's friends, and you had to, like, rescue him before you were allowed to play as him. I don't know. It was a good game. <laughs> the worlds were fun. Uh, the powers were stupid, but, like, <laughs> fun to mess around with. Yeah. It was, that was another game, like, I don't know why, but uh, my best friend Jordan and his sister both got obsessed with Billy Hatcher, and they didn't have it. They only ever wanted to play the multiplayer. They would come over to my house every weekend, and we would play Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg in split screen. What (laughs) me and my sibling would do. We'd only play Billy Hatcher. So just speaking more broadly, I think that's the standout memory I have from the GameCube game. Just inviting your friends over and playing on the same couch. Yeah. that's that's the standout for, couch for me. Yeah, it's a shame that sort of went away after. Yeah, a lot of lot of uh, missed opportunities and remade GameCube games, in my opinion, on that front. Do you have any examples? I will when we get Ooh, to that. Interesting. All right, so I guess I can go ahead with my number four. Uh, my number four is Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Oh so, yeah, of course that. Yeah, that's got to be on there. Yeah, so I I don't think this is a surprise oh, attempt. Anyone? <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised game. it's as low as number four, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> my number three is going to make you so mad. But um, my number four, yeah, Paper Mario: Thousand Year Door. Not really a surprise to anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while. Everyone knows I'm a huge fan of Paper Mario, and this game just improved upon the original in ways I didn't even know were possible. Uh, it had a lovable cast of characters. It was a g- sweeping adventure across like a huge array of environments. Uh, and the story was really like cryptic and epic too. And it went into some interesting directions because you could now control like Peach for certain segments and Bowser for other segments. And um, <clears throat> it, I think it was the perfect example of what a sequel should do uh, when compared to the original. And I don't know if I have any more details to say on that right now. I would like to replay it, and I would love for them to throw it on Switch, because I don't think I'm going to bust out my GameCube to play it again, but I do think it's a game that is worth revisiting, and I do think it is the best Paper Mario game ever made. Yeah, I I'd can, agree. Yeah, probably. Because I, I would say, even though I love Super Paper Mario, I would say it is the opposite. It is the the opposite of what a sequel should do. Yeah, you know, Super Paper lot. Mario would have probably been well-loved if it was its own property. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a good game. Like, I love yeah. Super Paper Mario. But it's it not a Paper Mario game. Paper Mario, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so, I guess I'm up. Yep, go ahead. Uh, Super Mario Sunshine uh, for my number four slot. Um, I love this game. Uh, a lot of people... It's a lot of people's, like, least favorite 3D Mario, I think. And uh, I don't really agree with that. Honestly, I've gone back to it more times than I have Super Mario 64 just because of the uh, the atmosphere of it. Yeah, the whole, like, Delfino Plaza, like, vacation vibes are very infectious, I think. Oh, one no. Of my, yeah, one of I'll my talk fondest... more about this later, but... Yeah. I spent of... a lot of time just exploring the world. Oh, yeah. One of my fondest memories is just uh, playing this instead of studying for my history finals in high school. Yeah, I, it's probably my most replayed Mario game, now that I think about it. Although I don't usually get super far, I rarely ever beat it, but I start it over probably once a year and just play for a little bit. I've never bothered with the blue coins. Like, that's that's the biggest complaint I hear levied against it most of the time. 
And my my only counter to that is just don't do it because I never have because they're not fun. <laughs> yeah. But, and you know, if you if you lose the blue coins, suddenly it's like half as big a game as Super Mario 64 was, which is whack. But you know, that's that's the thing. You know, they ran out of time. It felt like you know they just didn't have as much, and so they slammed these blue coins in to try to compensate. But what's there is excellent. I love. There's not really a mission I dread other than Corona Mountain, which I don't love, but that's mainly because of that lava lake section. <laughs> I dread there, a lot there, of parts about that. Oh, I don't like the Pachinko machine either. But other than those two levels, there's really, you know, I like all of them pretty much. Yeah, I think Mario Sunshine is the only 3D Mario I've played that I haven't completed. Like 100%ed? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, like I never finished the game, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and but I really remember enjoying my time with it. I think at that point, though, I just had my interest drawn in other directions. Yeah, it's a quick game to finish, even casually, because you only need um, seven shines from every level, or the, the seventh shine, but you can't really skip around. The most distinct memory I have with Mario Sunshine is that I would um, I would just explore the hub world a, a lot. Like Delfino Plaza, I would just like yeah. jump around there. And, yeah, like, amazing soundtrack, and it's huge. Like, if you count the underground sections, and like, you know, a lot of it's empty empty water but it's just yeah and the controls in that game are sublime like they feel amazing other than maybe the camera controls while you hover yeah i mean the controls for every 3d mario are sublime and this game is no exception like i think some people try to paint this game as the exception but i don't think that is the case at all yeah i really don't think that's fair it's yeah it's yeah it's probably it's my most replayed 3d mario I don't know. I think this this is a theme for me, but like Super Mario Odyssey, obviously, you're like I I think if I had to choose between Mario 64 and Mario Sunshine, I would choose Sunshine. I recognize that that's probably a hot take, but uh, and I I think I would even choose Sunshine over Odyssey only be, like like as a game I want to go back and replay, only because like I can play Sunshine and be satisfied playing it for a couple of days, whereas Odyssey like. That game's just too big to do that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, hearing you talk about it is making me want to go back and play Sunshine. And again, if that Mario Collection rumor rumor is true, we might see it this fall on the Switch. Oh, that would be so good. Um, yeah, I think, like, obviously, if I go, if I think 3D Mario, I think Mario 64. But like, Sunshine was definitely like an iteration on it, right? Because you had the exact same controls, like you had the same mechanics that Mario had. Sort of. Before, I mean, you lose right? stuff. Like, there's no long jump. Uh, I thought there was. Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. Like the triple jump is. But there, there is a triple jump. I don't think there's oh, a long, the long jump because holding right, right. L doesn't. Um, you don't crouch. Well, I was gonna say the core mechanics are there, but then obviously they added onto them with with flood. Yeah. yeah, I do think that it's cool that, like, Flood has been sort of immortalized in Smash Bros. Like, in every Smash Bros. game after Melee, Flood's been a part of Mario's, like, moveset. Yeah. They did take out his down B, but I'll forgive it, because Flood is hilarious. Getting a kill with Flood is the second funniest way to get a kill with Mario. Well, what I will say that... down B? I don't the remember. Tornado? Yeah, the oh, Tornado. The tornado. So I the, love tornado. the Tornado. The Tornado is back in Ultimate. Uh, it's Mario's aerial down A. Yeah, he I don't did. think it was ever gone. I think it was always his down A. Yeah, his dare. 
Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It's not the same. <laughs> but Dr. Mario has it, and that's fine. Luigi has it, too. Yeah, yeah it's Luigi not It's not the it. same with Luigi as it is with Mario and Dr. Mario, though. But, yeah, um, that's it for Super Mario Sunshine, really. The, the standouts are the soundtrack, the atmosphere. I think it's crazy that it's, like, the little stuff. Like, you can see other levels from within levels, because they're not, like, separate worlds anymore. They're different parts of this island, and, like, the map makes sense geographically. Yeah. And that's huge. Mario's not really done that ever since then. I mean, they haven't had to, contextually, but... With the exception of maybe some of the RPG games, like, I think Mario and Luigi might have had pretty consistent maps with some background visuals and stuff, but for a 3D Mario game, this is, like, the only time you can see the rest of the world... From where you are. Yeah, that's definitely a unique aspect that I didn't consider before, because Mario is sort of like known for its uh, disparate levels. Yeah, and it's super interesting that like they can take the beach level, but that's the entire game, you know. Mm-hmm. But it still feels super and then they very did have interesting. A beach, beach level. Yeah, they do have Gelato Beach. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Mike, what's your number four? My number four, uh, Legends Legends of the Twilight Princess. I always think of that as a Wii game, you know? That didn't even Same. come to mind I, I for this list. I played on the Wii, but I'm going to count it for... Um, oh, it's a GameCube game, for sure. A GameCube. I mean, it's a GameCube game as much as Breath of the Wild is a Wii U game. Because it was... It might be controversial to say I didn't like Wind Waker as much as people praised it. Maybe it's just the way it played. Or the fact that... I don't know. I just never played the Wind Waker that much. Mm-hmm. I went straight from Ocarina of Time to uh, Twilight Princess because there was a period where my parents banned me from playing Legend of Zelda games for some weird reason. That's a weird series to ban. Yeah. I, Out of all the I think it's because I I hummed a tune in kindergarten from a completely different game. They're like, it's that Zelda game. Weird. So I, mean, from it. I think, I, I mean, I a sort of an unrelated player. note, but I feel like all of us has had some measure of our parents thinking video games are bad for us growing oh, up. Yeah. It's just like the natural Actually, we should thing. probably do an episode on why video games are good for kids. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> I, I have a lot to say about that. Yeah, that's, that's next week. But not to steal your thunder for Twilight Princess, I just want to say, Mike, that uh, if... I had played this on the GameCube. I played it on the Wii, but if I had played it on the GameCube, it would absolutely be in my top five list. Oh, yeah. It's... The Wii version does not feel as good. And, God. Yeah, when I've emulated it, I've always emulated the GameCube. It was just... It was a weird departure to this darker storyline that we hadn't seen since Majora's Mask. Yeah. It had some good dungeon designs. It does. I always felt like Twilight Princess was the spiritual successor to Ocarina of Time, but had, like, the tone of Majora's Mask, and I yeah. really, really love that. I, I liked the tone. The tone was nice. Yeah, I think the only criticism it really, a lot of people levy at it is that it was too similar to Ocarina of Time, and, like, is that really a, is that, is that a know? bad thing? Yeah. yeah. The other Some thing is I didn't love. it was too dark. Like, I didn't love playing as the wolf too much, but, like, eh, whatever. Like, it, it's, it was it's barely. It's a new thing, yeah, yeah. I guess. And I do want to give it another shout-out for being... Is it the last, like, quote-unquote traditional Zelda game we've played? I... No, Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword exists. Is that really traditional, though? Yeah. It's got dungeons. It's got... 
Although I guess it does kind of have that level select thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> but arguably, yeah, arguably it's traditional. And, and Skyward Sword has some good dungeons in it. it just, yeah, I guess I never actually played Skyward Sword to completion, actually, so I guess Skyward I can't comment on Skyward Sword is ruined too. by dumb, repeated boss fights that, aren't, that weren't even fun the first time and the controls. Other than that, Skyward Sword has some really good gimmicks in it, like the time stone stuff. It has some great dungeons. It has some great mini dungeons. Yeah. <laughs> like, looking back on Skyward Sword, if I blot out the part where I couldn't get the sword controls to work, like, at all, it's a pretty fun game. <laughs> Problem is, that's a pretty big part, though. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Nintendo straight up admits that the controls don't work, basically, by having you start with six hearts instead of three. Yeah. But yeah, going back to Twilight Princess, and I don't want to steal all your thunder here, Mike, but I do want to comment that the the standout for Twilight Princess for me will always be the final boss. I just remember that oh, being yeah. so epic. Like that four-stage onslaught with Ganon. You know, like first he's possessing Zelda, and then you're on horseback, and then you like sword fight, and I'm pretty sure I'm missing a phase there. But like, Yeah, you missed uh, after the Zelda one, he's Beast Ganon. That's, right, what I was, yeah. that's what I was hoping for the Breath of the Wild Ganon fight, but... Yeah, no, nah, it was nothing it was like that. It was just lackluster. Yeah. Now, the boss fights were the worst part of that. The field bosses were more climactic than the, the actual bosses. Yeah. But, yeah, a Twilight Princess is an excellent game. I remember, you know, that, that game came out, like, at prime time, where I was just old enough to, like, follow games development. I remember reading about it in Nintendo Power. Yeah, I remember I, I got it day it, one like, with my Wii. Game Informer and the likes. But, like, my favorite part about Twilight Princess is it had so many, like, cinematic moments. You had the final boss. You had, uh, what was his name? Lord Bokoblin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they had duels with him and, like, that almost, moment. like, a side story with him. Yeah. That moment when you're going through Ganon's castle at the end and uh, your friends show up to help you has not been matched in a Zelda game. Yeah, I think in terms of sheer, like, story, I still think this might be the best Zelda game I've played. You get, like, yeah. a warrior's, like, agreement with a Bokoblin. That's nuts. Yeah. It's very good. And I, I do like that, like, the switcheroo they pulled, like, Zant was the antagonist, right? Yeah. And then, you know, it turns out, no, it still is Ganon, and you have that epic showdown with Ganon, like... My god, yeah. that still, that will <laughs> always stick out to me as one of also, the best boss battles I've ever been through. Midna is probably the best partner character in Zelda yeah. history. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. And, you know, the reveal at the end where, well, not necessarily at the end, but the reveal that uh, that she is the Twilight Princess, right? That yeah. That's what the title was referring to, kind of the, blew my the mind. The reveal at the end is that she's hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what a game. What a game. All right, um, I guess I can go ahead with my number three, which is Star Fox Adventures. Oh, God. That's so that, controversial. That game is awful. I That's love this super game. Super controversial. So, I this, hate that game. So what's funny is, so this game was made by Rare, right? And originally it had nothing to do with Star Fox. Yeah, it was just going to be like Dinosaur Planet or and, something. Right? Yeah, and then Miyamoto was like, hey, why don't you make this Star Fox? And they were like, okay, fine. And so... This is like the most, you know, uh, untraditional Star Fox game ever, right? Because Star Fox is typically associated with, like, aerial combat and whatnot. This is a straight-up, like, 3D adventure game 
uh, heavy inspiration from Zelda. And I remember it being one of the first GameCube games I played and just absolutely falling in love with it. I love the, you know, uh, the, just the, the, the overall mysterious feel of the game. Like you're on in like a, a remote dinosaur planet and you get to go to other planets and you have a really cool staff that has like magic powers. And I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed the game. Did you beat it? Yeah, I've beaten it several times, actually. I I didn't even know this until I was an adult, and it made me mad, because I never beat it, because I hated it. I have it, but uh, the fact that the dinosaur guy doesn't even get, like, a real boss fight, and then you go fight Andros, like... Yeah, that, that, I was, I was going to mention that. So, like, the, the final boss is weird, because it really doesn't make use of any of the, like the mechanics that you've been building up throughout the game, like none of the skills, none of the staff skills or right, anything like that. It's the exact that. same boss fight Star Fox uses every single time. Yeah, it's, you, you hop in your R-Wing and you fight Andross, and it's just like, that's kind of weird for this game, but sure, whatever. But oh, I hated that guy. I, the, the, I got filtered hard by the um, the really dark temple that you kept having to go back to. Yeah. I hated yeah. that every single time. I remember, like... I don't even think I went back the last time. I think they told me I was going to have to go back, and I set the controller down, and I haven't played the game since. Yeah, I remember I remember at some point I got the strategy guide for this game, and I remember I would just read it for fun sometimes just because I enjoy the game so much. God, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're out of your mind. But, I, yeah, so I unironically really like this game, and I still really like it <coughs> today. Granted, I haven't played it in, like, over a decade, so who knows if my opinion will hold if I try it again. But, like, my memory of that game is one of, like, awesome adventure, and I really enjoyed just uh, the adventure on the dinosaur planet. You're allowed, but you are wrong. (laughs) It is allowed. So I will, at this point, I will say that um, uh, numbers three through five on my list, I had to think about a lot for their placement. However, one and two were locked in as soon as we decided we were doing this idea. Oh, we're on number two, aren't we? We're number no, we're on, we're on number, number three. 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 Yeah. So, so am, I, am I ready to do my number three? Yeah, go for it. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Ooh. Uh, this is my most replayed Zelda game, and before Breath of the Wild, I would have hands down said it's my favorite. Uh, Largely for the same reason I love Super Mario Sunshine. The, the atmosphere in this game. I love the cartoony, cartooniness. Um, uh, this is the game I was talking about when I said uh, I didn't like the remake because it removed uh, split screen. Because the original had a really cool... Oh, the uh, Tingle stuff? Yeah, the Tingle Tuner, which was um, probably the most expensive... No, the second most expensive split screen co-op on the GameCube, uh, tie, uh, you know, right behind a tie between Crystal, uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and The Legend of Zelda Four Sword Adventures, uh, because you had to have a Game Boy Advance and a Game Boy GameCube link cable. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, you, you, I had all the, I had all that. And, uh, it wasn't anything crazy. Like, I don't even think Tingle could help in the dungeons, but, like, there was a ton of content that was locked behind Tingle. Like, there was a whole story about Tingle's brothers his brother Knuckle, there was like cool stuff you could access. And Knuckles. Wait, huh? what? Yeah, there was no. an and Knuckles mode. Yeah. yeah, no, I think uh, you the second player could play as Knuckle instead of Tingle uh, for a while if you finished the Knuckle quest on Outside Island. And there there were a couple different places where Tingle would like give you missions to do. 
But then also Tingle had like abilities and he could screw you over by like dropping bombs on you and stuff. And it was it was neat fun. He could also just waste all your rupees. And uh, when they remade it for the Wii U, like the first thing I thought of was like, oh, you won't have to have a Game Boy Advance anymore because the gamepad is already there and has a second screen on it. And no, they just removed the Tingle Tuner entirely. The absolute idiots. Yeah, that's a curious uh, omission. I think that's largely, you know, falls in line with the mentality today that no one cares about couch co-op and we just want to remove it if it's not necessary, which sucks because I love couch co-op. I, I really love unnecessary couch co-op. I've kind of realized over the past year that like some of my favorite stuff is the couch co-op in games that had no right having it. Like, Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I, what do you even say about Wind Waker? It's another game that is critically flawed, much like Metroid Prime. It has a really stupid fetch quest at the end before the final dungeon because two dungeons Which got removed. It did to, get um, streamlined a bit in the remake. A little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, in the remake, a couple of... Yeah, if, if you're going to play it today and you don't have, like, a strategy guide or something, I would say play the remake. Uh, but yeah, you didn't. A couple of the... um, You had to find... In the original, you had to find all these chests that had yeah. Triforce charts in them. In the remake, some of those chests just have Triforce shards in them, and you pay less money to get Tingle to read the Triforce charts so that you can actually use them. And some of the Triforce chart challenges and dungeons aren't bad, and it is kind of... If it... If you're old enough to actually understand what's going on, it can almost be a victory lap around the map before you go beat Ganon. But when you're a first grader, and this is your first Zelda game, and suddenly all your boat will say is to look for Triforce shards instead of telling you exactly where to go like he has for the entire rest of the game, you're not going to beat it. And you're going to have to go buy a strategy guide. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take you another two years to beat this game. (laughs) And I I did as a kid. I did finish that stupid Triforce uh, shard thing, and I did beat Ganon. And this was like the first Zelda game I ever beat. I will say, though, uh, that last fight with Ganon might be my most replayed boss fight ever. Oh, yeah loved that fight you know yeah, the way like, zelda helps and and like you know essentially the water's filling in around you and you he has like two swords and you fight him off and zelda's fighting him with you and it's just so good it's a cinematic masterpiece yeah 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 oh it's so good uh and, and i love that art style i think uh before breath of the wild that was my favorite zelda art style Honestly, I think it still might be my favorite, but I have to think about it. See, it's probably I have a hard time saying Breath of the Wild is even my favorite Zelda game because it feels so different. It's from so every different, other. yeah. And it, you know, by by like standard Zelda terms, Wind Waker is far and wide my favorite Zelda game. It's so replayable. The Triforce Hunt hurts way less the second time because <laughs> you know how yeah. to do everything. And it's just a good game. I like watching speedruns of it. I've replayed it. It's another game I replay, like, and not quite once a year, but, you know, fairly regularly. Uh, yeah, I think that's my number three, Mike. All right, I'm going to talk more about uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Okay. Because uh, it's my number three. It's... I, I just loved that game. Everything about... Even... Like the beach level, just going underwater and exploring the beautiful underwater environments that they set themselves up, which is oh, yeah. really weird. Yeah, it was crazy how time. good they made the water look. 
Yeah, that's that's something that that definitely stands out as a GameCube game. Even games today have a tough time with water, but the water in that game looked nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just a nice game. Everything about it. Is yeah, good. I uh, I I wasn't even thinking about how great the uh, the eel the 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 little underwater city where you fight the eel. How beautiful oh, yeah. that is when you get to go back. That's another thing Sunshine does. They have like like every level has these full stories of their own that you play through. What a cute game. What a great game. That's pretty much all I gotta say. And also exploring the worlds. Like a lot of it just feels living to an extent without actually being living. Yeah. It's just, it had so much, uh, I, and I think that music had a big part to play too, but it just had so much charm. Uh, I think more charm than most other 3D Mario games, certainly more than 64. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the locations had tons of personality. Yeah, Ready to do your number two then, Ahmed? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my number two is Super Smash Bros. Melee. Uh, I I really expected that to be your number one. It shouldn't come as a surprise, right? Like, so, uh, I'm one of those people that still maintains that mechanically Melee is the best Smash game ever made, still, uh, even with Ultimate out. See, my only problem with that take is uh, that Ultimate, like, Melee got better with age. Like, people figured out new stuff to do and stuff. And I think Ultimate is going to have the same thing. Like, I think the meta for Ultimate has not developed to the point that the meta for Melee did. I agree, but just knowing some of the... Just some of the inherent limitations of Ultimate, I feel like it can't ever get as mechanically deep as Melee because of several things, right? Like, one of one being, like, the low hit stun, right? Like, so, like, you can't really develop combos as well as you can in Melee. That's um, true. So... I don't know. We will certainly see, and I don't get me wrong. I love watching Ultimate. Like I watch professional Ultimate all the time. But to me, still like Melee. Melee is the apex. And really, another reason why it's my number two, um, other than being you know just my favorite Smash game to play, is that I have. It has become my favorite esport to watch. Right. So like, I watch all the melee majors like almost religiously at this point and i'm very invested in the professional competitive scene of this game like i know who all the big players are and know when an upset happens in a tournament and like i can't really say i'm i have that knowledge for any other you know game uh or esport or anything like that it's only melee for me and i i think that's another big reason why it's up here on this list is because Yes, it was an excellent GameCube game, but over the past, you know, two decades or so, it's it's developed into, like, more than that for me, personally. And, uh, I'm a Falco main, just FYI. Wow. All hail Falco. I don't have a main in Melee anymore. I realized that last time I played it. I was at a barcade and played a couple rounds, <clears throat> and it just... I'm terrible at Melee now. Like, my skills from Ultimate do not transfer at all. Yeah, Melee is a completely different beast, honestly. And, like, the the thing about Melee is, like, in Ultimate, like, there's always, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, in Melee, if you're playing someone, like, much better than you, you stand zero chance. You will just get absolutely destroyed. But in Ultimate, I feel like there might be a small chance of you at least, like, taking a couple stocks off or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, my number two, Super Smash Brothers Melee, a seminal game, and uh, one I still 
watch gameplay of all the time. Uh, should I move on? To, yeah, my number two. Uh, probably. I doubt either of you have played this one. Uh, Fantasy Star Online. No, uh, but you spoke of the second game a few. Yeah, weeks ago. Fantasy Star Online two came to the West here recently. Uh, and I didn't end up playing it as much as I thought I would. I, I you know, the, the door hasn't shut on it yet. I saw it can play it. The servers aren't down or anything. But uh, Wait, was uh, this an online game? Fantasy on Star GameCube? Online, yes. You could get a LAN adapter, and it was an MMO for the GameCube. That's wild. Uh, I did not have that. I played it in split screen with my uh, best friend Jordan at the time. And we played this constantly for years like it was just ridiculous and and i played it on my own constantly so it was like an rpg and so like i was like four times as high a level as he and his sister were when they would play with me and like and that was just absurd kind of but like it didn't bother me to like go back to the easy areas because it like didn't have it was the first rpg i'd ever played that had like real-time combat and that was a revelation to me. See, what's crazy to me, like, were you locked out of any content because you weren't playing online? Oh, tons. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I don't think... Yeah, I think over half the quests were locked off to me. But mm. it was Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2, and I, like, never even did Episode 2. <laughs> like, because there was enough content in Episode 1. I was satisfied. I never. I don't hey, think I ever so beat the like, final boss on my own without having my friend Jason, who had like a way higher level character, come over and help me with it. Yeah, it's crazy to me that like you've only experienced a portion of this game, but when you experienced was so good, it's at your number two spot. Like I can only imagine if you had. Well, had okay, full so experience, it, I, maybe I experienced episode two and didn't like it very much. <laughs> ah, okay. But it on the disc it had episode one and two. I just never really played episode two. But yeah, real quick. It, yeah. Sorry, like completely off subject here, but like shout out to the GameCube, like UMD disc style, what, whatever it is, the small disc. It's not a yeah. UMD. That's wrong. But the the mini like DVD thing that it used, I thought it was yeah. really neat. But it yeah. was. Uh, the cool thing about Fantasy Star is that it's another Sonic Team game. Oh really? Yeah, and um, you could actually there was a Chow that you could get. In Fantasy Star, you had to do a mission, like, perfectly. And you only had one chance per character to get it, I'm pretty sure, so I never got it. But it was, like, you would do a mission, and then, you know, like, the little Game Boy Advance transporter thing from the Chow Garden? That would appear in the hub world. And you would go to it, and you had to have a Game Boy GameCube link cable, and have your Game Boy Advance plugged up, and a Chow, a little Tails Chow, would appear on your Game Boy Advance... And then you could turn off your GameCube, put in Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, and you could transfer this Tails Chow into Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Crazy. And it was a little Chow that actually had, like, a special 3D model and everything to look like Tails. Just ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) A couple of different Sonic Team games did that. I'm pretty sure there was also a special Chow you could get in Sonic Adventure DX that didn't look that cool until you transferred it over to Sonic Adventure 2, and it got, like, special features there. <laughs> Just wild. Sonic Adventure DX was such a strange game. Yeah, it was. It didn't make the list. <laughs> it didn't make the list at all, no. 
Yeah. Now, Fantasy Star, it's not even something I can really recommend you go back to, although there is, because the servers are down and everything, although there are fan servers, you can still hook your GameCube up to a LAN adapter and play this game online if you want to. There are fan servers that are still up. And there's also a, there's a PC cool. version of the same game called Fantasy Star Online Blue Burst, which is uh, I've played fairly recently, and it holds up. It's like the same game, just a PC port. And uh, there are free-to-play fan servers up still. Sweet. This was originally a Dreamcast game as well, which is why like the Dreamcast was much more MMO-friendly, I think, than the GameCube was. But they made it work somehow. Mike? We're on number two. My number two... Whew, it's a tough one. I'm going to go with... God, my brain just blanked. <laughs> I had it, and then I lost it. Oh, yeah. Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door. I nice. completely forgot about it. <laughs> it was one of those games that I played a lot. <laughs> and also one of those worlds, one of those games where I'd get lost in the world or just spend entire times doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing, like gambling or trying to beat the minigames. Yeah, there was so much in that game. Like yeah, it's, it's it's staunching, so especially like for like at the time, right? Like nowadays games are stuffed to the brim with like all sorts of nonsense, but like everything in that game felt lovingly lovingly crafted and there was just so much of it too. Like Such the a joy whole to play. the whole glitz pick arc all the way to the end is just good. Yeah, it's like very you get good. an arena and then all of a sudden you're on a train. And there's a murder mystery now. Almost. It's absolutely nuts. Don't they, like, call you Gonzalez for the entire uh, Glitz Pit, too? Yeah, you're Gonzalez for the entire (laughs) Glitz Pit. (laughs) And and then you go to Poshley Heights, and then you're just kind of on a train. (laughs) What a good game. And uh, shout out to the boss fights in that game, too. Boss fights were awesome. And, uh... That's one area where I feel like, from what I've seen at least, the new Paper Mario seems to be lacking. Because I was very disheartened when I discovered the bosses would be, you know, things like a box of colored pencils. Yeah, because that can't possibly have the character that... Like, I'm sorry, I don't care if it's like the best mechanically, mechanical boss fight of all time. You're not gonna, I'm not gonna take a boss fight against a box of colored pencils seriously. Yeah. (laughs) So... Seems like they still have a little to learn to to bring back the magic, the old Paper Marios. But. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for no- our number ones? I think so. All right. My number one GameCube game, my favorite GameCube game, is The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Wow. Yeah. So this is still my favorite Zelda game. And that's including Breath of the Wild, I think. I adore this game so much. Um, And I always, I think, you know, like, obviously I can talk about, like, the boss fights or the dungeons, which are all excellent. But, like, what stands out to me when I think of this game is just sailing the sea uh, in the King of Red Lions, right? Yeah, something that should be, like, the most boring thing in the world, but, like, that music, the... It just it just felt incredible, and it felt like I was on a proper adventure. And just, I love, you know, 
like sailing into each quadrant on the sea map and finding the island and figuring out what the secret to that island was and doing that over and over again because there were so many islands in that game and i loved the wind waker itself as like you know the the gimmick or whatever that you know each zelda game has like the item right like the ocarina of time and in this game the wind waker uh, I, I think the Wind Waker is the coolest item they've designed. Like, I really love the, just the sort of idea of, like, conducting the winds. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that's so cool. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like, the, the that we've already covered, like, the music to me, my god, the music in that game is just so perfect. Like, I still listen to the music from Wind Waker regularly, especially, like, the Thief from the Great Sea. The, the theme from the Great Sea. Yeah. Absolutely one of my favorites. And again, the art style is timeless. You know, at the time, like when it was revealed, it was so controversial. Like people were like, oh my God, after, you know, Ocarina and Majora, you're going to this? Like this is such, you know, this is kitty, blah, blah, blah. But like, as it's proven, like this is the Zelda game that holds up the most over time, uh, visually at least. And... I just love that there were so many secrets on the sea to uncover. Like, I loved, you know, just finding treasure charts and going hunting for treasure. Like, even though, like, you know, the rewards weren't always, like, spectacular. Like, oftentimes they'd just be, like, a lot of money or whatever. But like, Yeah, and there was very little to spend rupees on. Yeah, but, like, just the idea of going on a treasure hunt. Just when I played this game, like, at that age, that was so appealing to me. And, like, I loved going back to Outset Island and discovering just how many secrets there were there. Like, there is so much on Outset Island that you could just miss uh, if you if you don't go back and, like, explore it thoroughly. And I love that, like, another thing I love about this game is that it just naturally makes you feel like you're getting more powerful as Link, right? Like, when you first fight the Helmorok King and try to save your sister, you get destroyed, and then, like, you get cast out, and obviously you have to gather your power you like go on several adventures and when you come back to fight him you know you can fight him on equal terms and you beat him and it's not like you know like and it's because like you had gone through those gameplay experiences like link had also become stronger and like i don't know i thought that was a really cool like just position of you as the player and link going on the adventure also where you have to sneak through ganon's uh the forsaken fortress the first time you have to sneak through it and you're powerless and then you go back the second time right yeah wreck shop yeah that that felt so satisfying and again like i mentioned before the final confrontation with ganon was just perfect and somehow i never saw the tetra zelda thing coming like that blew my mind when i was oh yeah i mean we were kids i didn't see it coming either yeah so i don't know like everything in that game is just it's just quintessential zelda to me and into this day i will still call it my favorite zelda game of all time so that's my favorite GameCube game. Uh, my favorite GameCube game, uh, and I feel like you may have guessed this by now, but it is God. Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. <laughs> I I have played this game probably more than any other game in my entire library. Uh, it's the first thing I think of when I think of GameCube. Me and my friends replay it regularly. I'm still slowly chipping away at getting 100% on it. I've never done that before. I'm getting close. I need to get straight A's on all the uh, all the missions. That's one mm-hmm. of the last things I have left. I have about half the missions left. And I, I chip away at that slowly, but 
those missions are kind of hard, the later ones. And I'll be honest, I don't love the the space levels that much, but uh, that game is just really good. And it's weird because it's changed. Like, the parts of it that I like doing have changed as I got older. Because when I was a kid, I could not stand the Knuckles levels. But now I'd probably rather play the Knuckles and Rouge levels than the Tails and Eggman levels. Really? I feel like the skill ceiling's a little higher on them. Whereas, you know, at Tails and Eggman, you just kind of walk forward holding B. And as Knuckles and Rouge, you can actually kind of, you know, solve a little puzzle and complete it faster. I do enjoy how, like, all the different characters have different mechanics, sort of. You know, like, Sonic and Shadow are the speed types, and... Yeah, Knuckles, I don't miss that. Rouge or... um, like, I I would not... When I play Sonic Generations, which is an actually very good Sonic game, in my opinion, I am not missing playing as Knuckles at all. Like, right, yeah. Obviously, Sonic and Shadow are the most fun to play as, but... Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'm, you know... I Every time a new Sonic game gets, gets announced, I get my hopes up that there's going to be a Chow Garden in it. And every time I'm disappointed. And uh, we talked earlier, like, Amma, do you think a standalone Chow Garden game would work? But uh, I actually did a presentation on why they don't make Chow Gardens anymore for the Game Developers Club at one point. Okay. And um, I think the reason is that the Chow Garden existed to solve the same problem that, like, the multiple play styles was. And that was that the games weren't very long and that they needed to, to squeeze as much out of these few levels they could make as they could. And the Chow Garden was, like, the perfect reason to replay levels over and over and over. Like, I have played City Escape so many times. It's It wouldn't surprise me if I could beat that game by audio, like, you know, with my eyes completely closed. Yeah. Like, because I've just played it so many times just to get rings and get Chaos Drives or Chow Drives or whatever they were called. And, uh... Yeah, that's... I don't think the Chow Garden works without that core game for it to kind of you know, leech off of, even though it was my favorite part of the game. Uh, did anybody else have a Chaos Chow? I think I did, but I don't remember at this How point. How could you not remember the single greatest achievement in all of gaming? <laughs> I don't know. I try to block a lot of the Sonic stuff from my memory, to be honest. I, yeah, I remember getting my Chaos Chow. I knew that the time had come, and I remember I grabbed my memory card, and I went over to my friend John's house, and we listed out i I didn't want to cheat it so i I listed out all the animals and where you could find them from memory i knew i knew that there were 21 animals so i we listed them out as best we could and where you could find them and then we scoured the game finding all 21 animals giving them to marsh my chaos chow and we pulled it off and maybe i didn't have one because i feel like i'd remember if i did something like that oh yeah to get a chaos chow your chow had to reincarnate twice and then you had to give it exactly one of every animal. If you accidentally gave it two, you would have to wait for it to reincarnate again. And to get a chow to reincarnate, you literally just have to spend a ton of time in the chow garden. I think they live yeah. like eight hours or something. <laughs> they live a, an absurdly long time. <laughs> Eight-hour lifespan. Yeah, like I remember I, I finally just started leaving my GameCube on like yeah. all day while I was at school. But you had to watch out, because sometimes your child would die and not reincarnate, and that would have ended my childhood life, <laughs> like... Just, period. Yeah, like, I, I didn't have pets growing up, but I remember, like, coming home from school and checking on my child like they were my little pets. Yeah. I really I think, cared about those little guys. I think, 
it's a missed opportunity that like a console or like Steam, like you know how you get gamer score and stuff from achievements and all. Yeah. I think if there was a Chow Garden that fed off of that, like it didn't matter what game you were playing, you would get stuff that would help your Chow. I think that would be the future of the Chow Garden if one was going to come out today. Yeah, I like, think it can, I think it can be done. It's just a matter of yeah building it right. If if I was gonna if I as an indie developer was gonna try to recreate the feeling that the Chow Garden gave me, it would have to be something <laughs> that hooks into other games and somehow you earn stuff in those other games that affects your Chow Garden because I don't think it stands alone. Yeah, maybe they can make the Chow Garden like something that ties into all of the Sonic games and f- like all the Sonic games can feed into it. I don't know. Yeah, that's another thing is that your Chow need to not be trapped on your GameCube. <laughs> yeah, kind of like what they're doing with Pokemon now, like with the the Pokemon Cloud service or whatever. Yeah, because if they released a Chow Garden now and there was no way for me to transfer my Chow forward, <laughs> I would be very sad. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how they would do it, you know? How do you get data off of a GameCube memory card and put it on a modern console? Yeah, the odds of them, yeah, like, if they come out with it now, I can almost guarantee you, you're gonna have to leave your chow behind. Yeah, and I, I would probably shed some tears at that prospect. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's my number one. I, I play Sonic Adventure 2 Battle all the time. It's the reason my GameCube is still hooked up. I, I, I bet anything, if I went up there and opened my GameCube right now, that... But that disc is in there. I mean, it was on my top five list, too, so I can't make fun of you, but... Okay. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, Mike, what's your number one? Number one, Pokemon Coliseum. Really? Oh, wow. Easy. I loved that game. Really? I Again, Pokemon Coliseum, that was, was that 64? No, 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 no. 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 Wait, no, 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 I'm thinking of Pokemon Steam. Dude, Pokemon Coliseum! Oh my god, I want to redo my top five list now. Really? I you forgot, forgot about that it? game. Yes, I forgot about it completely. I didn't like it that much. I, I mean, I thought it was good, but it really bothered me that you couldn't catch, like, every Pokemon in it. No, dude, I loved Pokemon Coliseum. Like, I actually think that might be my number five. At the very least, it's a, an honorable mention for me. Yeah. It's a fun game. I like that it did double battles. Uh, it did double battles. That was like its main battle form. Yeah, yeah. that it was only double battles, right? It had gyms, right? No, no. It, it had at least one. It had gym. like it had like gym like encounters. No, it, it had at least one gym because I remember like it looked really cool. Yeah, it had uh, arenas or coliseums as they were called. Really? Yeah. I swear it just had one straight up gym, like in the main, the first city you go to. That might have been Maybe, the, first, that yeah. was the first arena, I think. Yeah. I, it's so, it sucks. They like, did function remember, like gyms, though, because you just, like, fight three or four people. Right. It's, and it's kind of crazy because visually, it looks better than Sword and Shield. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, no, it's a the, visibly, visually good-looking game. Like, the not just the graphics, but, like, the world. I loved... It was called the Ore region, right? Ori? Yeah, I, I think so. Ori. Yeah, like, I loved exploring that. And I love, like, the like the grungier take on Pokemon. Like, it, everything was dirty and, like... It was almost like Final Fantasy VII-y. Yeah. 
And like you, you know, the whole thing in this game was you caught other people's Pokemon because they were like shadow Pokemon. You had to purify them. And oh my god, I've beaten that game so many times, honestly. But like, it's been so long now that I'm I'm having trouble remembering the details. But I have such fond memories of that game. And it was like heavily based on Gen two, right? Like, yeah, Gen two, Gen three. You could pretty much catch like all the Gen two legendaries in that game, like. The boss fights would just, like, have the legendary dogs, and it was like, what? But, yeah, Pokemon Coliseum. Like, I never actually beat XD, the sequel, uh, Gale of Darkness, but, like... Yeah, I never beat XD either. Coliseum, man, what a what a fantastic game. Sorry, Mike, you got more to say? Like, um, Other than, like, I love the Shadow Pokemon mechanic. Like, that's great. I love it. I also loved just the dialogue, and uh, Mirror B was the best villain ever known to man. Oh yeah, uh, I remember Mirror B and the Lodicolos. Mirror B whatever. had had at me questioning my sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird villain, and I loved it. Such a wacky, sassy villain. I just remember the music in that one little like the only like really green town in the game. Oh yeah, uh, oh, the place where you could make your Pokemon like yeah, where you purified not, them. Yeah, yeah, or like the shrine or whatever. Yeah, yeah shrine town. What the one of yeah, oh, the retirement community. Yeah, dude, I remember for the longest time there were like rumors that if you like you did certain things, you could get like Celebi to show up in that shrine. But I don't ever remember if I like. No, I think that's those. legit. Yeah, is it? That's crazy. I remember hearing that too. I know that um that game was like pre-ordering that game was like the only legit way to get a Jirachi and Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah, I remember that. And I didn't yeah. understand. My friend had a Jirachi. He got the disc that had a Jirachi on it, and I didn't. And I didn't understand why, because the concept of pre-ordering was totally foreign to me. Mm-hmm. I also don't understand like why I couldn't get a Jirachi off his disc. I don't think I ever thought to put a different memory card in. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I think that was how it did it. I think it saved on your memory card that you'd already gotten your Jirachi. Yeah, but I feel like I don't know. Pokemon Company would have found a way to make that a one-time event. Yeah, if anybody could. Yeah. But I remember like the main character, uh, his starter Pokemon are Espeon and Umbreon, and I thought that was such a cool way to start the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, the whole thing was double battles, and like the story was epic. And there was also that like 100 like floor trial thing that you could yeah. put your party from Ruby or Sapphire yeah, or Emerald, I, remember that. I think, and you could put it on the GameCube. Or Leaf Green or Fire Red. Oh, really? I didn't know it supported those. What a good game. It's such a good game. God, yeah, that game was incredible. Like now I didn't I'm, buy, I'm not, XD I was can't... the first Pokemon game I ever didn't buy, though. I didn't oh, yeah. buy Battle Revolution because it was just. Uh, oh, I did because it was literally just putting your team on the big screen. I bought that. Yeah. I I'm didn't. still honestly, I'm still kicking myself for forgetting about Pokemon Coliseum. Like that so, was definitely one of my most played GameCube games. Love, love, love that game. All right, I think yeah, I think overall we have some really interesting top five choices. A and, lot of uh, overlap, but I think I expected that the GameCube doesn't yeah, have I totally that many expected games. That. I I was shocked that neither of you had Double Dash. Actually, like, uh, Double Dash is the only Mario Kart game I don't own. Like, I've played really? it a lot. 
like at friends' houses and stuff, but I've never I never owned Double Dash. I only own Mario Kart Wii Seven and Eight Deluxe. I yeah. I didn't have Mario Kart much as a kid. Yeah, I didn't play Double Dash. Yeah, I mean Mario Kart to me like it it was a critical part of like multiplayer gaming for me as as a kid uh, with like friends and family, but for some reason on GameCube never got Double Dash. Maybe it's because like I got super into Smash or something. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, solid top five lists all around. So uh, now that we've talked about our GameCube games, what have you been playing, uh, Connor? Uh, so I, uh, No Man's Sky got added to Xbox Game Pass for PC, oh, which really? needs to be renamed. But um, I, I w- I've been wanting to try No Man's Sky VR for a long time because while I, uh, I've said numerous times that like they can add as much base building as they want to that game. I think that it its lack of a good loop kind of kills it for me. But as a Zen game, I've heard it's amazing. And as a game, you know, I'm already paying for essentially. And I always thought that the VR would be super cool in it because I heard that yeah. they actually put a lot of effort into it. And I I think that they did, you know, because it's not like. It has actual motion controls and stuff. Like, you actually have to point your hands to fire your um, mining gun and everything. And the ship controls really impressed me. Like, uh, the moment I got in the ship, you actually, like, grab on to the controls. And, like, you know, you're not using the joystick on your controller or anything. You're actually, like, pushing the throttle forward and turning the joystick. You know, turning your hand controller like it's a joystick. And I gotta play this game around. in VR. Huh? I said I gotta play this in VR. It, it supports PlayStation VR, I'm fairly yeah, certain. Yeah, it does. And um, it, it's neat, but the problem is, and this is the same problem I have with essentially every VR conversion, is that this game is like 30 or 40% menu, which isn't that big of a deal in 2D, because like you go through the menus really fast with your controller and everything, and it's like two seconds and you're done. But in VR, menus are, like, this laborious process. And, like, yeah, you spend a lot of time in menus in a game like Beat Saber. But the menu and the gameplay have zero overlap. Whereas in No Man's Sky, Mm. the menu is part of the gameplay. Like, you spend a good bit of your time crafting, especially early game. I think it probably slows down later. And, you know, I'll probably get the muscle memory. But, like, and the menus are diegetic. Uh, which is to say, like, they make sense in-world. Like, you actually look down at your hand, and a menu pops up in your hand, kind of. That's cool. I like that and a lot. And so it it looks good. Like, they did a good job, but, like, there's little stuff. Like, you use a menu to refuel your spaceship when it would have been so much cooler if I could somehow get the fuel in my hand and walk up and put it in my spaceship, you know? Yeah. Little stuff that would go... I, well, I'm saying little stuff that probably would have been, a you know, a substantial bit of work development wise but it just would have gone a long way i i really don't like crafting in vr unless it's like literal hands-on crafting and that's kind of ruined it for me i'm gonna play it a little more before i place my judgment because i'm just now like i haven't quite left the the initial star system yet Mm -hmm. yeah so you're still really early on and like, like there's little stuff like the base building that i thought was stupid and i wouldn't care about at all the, just the the immediate scale and how good it looked in VR, like right off the bat, I was like, oh wow, this is actually very cool. <laughs> like, 
Because nice. Minecraft in VR was ter- you know, it makes me motion sick, like, really bad. So this would be the first base building game I've ever played in VR. And it's it's super interesting. Yeah, I just, yeah, I want to give a shout out to Hello Games. Like, what a turnaround. Yeah. Like, and, like, chilling chillin in the ship is exactly what I thought it would be. It, it is, like, you know, the full cockpit. You can look up yeah. and, like, you know, see the planet soaring, soaring by you as you zoom through. And, like, that did not get old to me in the entire few hours that I was playing it. Like, the novelty hasn't worn off yet. That's awesome. Uh, I wanted to get Elite Danger because it does have some performance problems. That's the other issue. Um, that's not necessarily Hello Games' fault. My headset is not technically supported. I believe that mm. they only officially support the Vive, maybe the Index, uh, and I'm using a Windows Mixed Reality headset. Yeah. So it's a little stuttery sometimes. Not, not enough that it makes me motion sick or anything, but... Uh, it's definitely noticeable. I had to turn the settings down, and it got better. Yeah, I feel like that would wreck me in VR. Like, and, I get the most, load times motion sick ex- pretty easily. The load times are excruciatingly long. It's yeah. weird. The It doesn't ever stutter, and, like, I move my head, and the, the camera doesn't keep up with me. It never does that. It's more like I go to teleport, and the teleporting takes a little bit longer than I think it should, or the menu doesn't come up as quickly as I think it should. Okay, that's a little more bearable. Yeah, it doesn't. It didn't make me motion sick at all. Okay, that's good. But uh, yeah, it, it's little stuff. Anyway, I uh, I really wanted to try out Elite Dangerous for the same reason, but uh, I looked it up and Elite Dangerous does not have any motion control support. Like you you either have to play with keyboard and mouse without being able to see your keyboard, which to me sounds like a nightmare. Or, or you get you throttles. Get, you have to get an actual HOTUS. What did you say, so Mike? Bad. It's it's not bad. The keyboard controls are pretty intuitive and elite. What do you play with? Uh, keyboard and mouse. Okay, I was gonna say like, it just felt like something I would only get into if I if I had a Hodus, uh, which is short for hands on the actual system. Uh, which would be the ideal, but like I don't know. I feel like it would really take me out of the immersion VR wise if I was using a mouse and keyboard. Like, that I couldn't see, kind of. I don't know. Yeah. I might give it a shot anyway, but I, uh, I'm i sticking to No Man's Sky for a little bit for now. Good. I, I I mean, I really enjoyed No Man's Sky when it came out with its flaws and all, but it's 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 good to hear that even after uh, you were sort of skeptical about some of its mechanics, you're finding some, some value in it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely finding things that I like, yeah. All right, Mike. I've actually picked up uh, Watch Dogs 2. Ooh, interesting. Which, honestly, super fun. <laughs> like, yeah. I never thought I'd have so much enjoyment out of running people over with a forklift that I've hacked into. I, I've heard Watch Dogs 2 kind of, like, got in on the joke, kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, one was very, like, serious and, like, it was in not great honestly like the protagonist kind of sucked and like this game is the opposite of right sucks. yeah I from what i played it. of two like it feels like it fixed all those problems yeah yeah i've heard it it 
Watch Dogs 2 sounded much better than the first one. I kind of regret. I got a free copy of it with my video card, and I think I at one point on the show bragged about how I never even bothered to... Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of wish I had, because, you know, when I said that, I was thinking of Watch Dogs 1, and when I did that, I was thinking of Watch Dogs 1 and how terrible it looked, but the second one actually seemed kind of good. Yeah, it, it is a good game. And I'm having a lot of fun playing it. To yeah, the it's point basically- where... I just always want to play it. <laughs> it's one of those games where you just have to keep playing it. Yeah. It's basically like Hacker good. GTA, right? Yeah. yeah. And you can do a lot. Of, there's a lot of ways to take missions, too. You can either be super stealthy or you could just run in and just guns blazing, blow things up. And honestly, I've never had that kind of freedom in a GTA like ever. No, there's really no freedom in the missions in GTA, so that's interesting. Yeah, Watch Dogs definitely, like, through the, the hacking component, like, give you the give you options when you're tackling missions. Yeah. Like, the missions will be get to this point, but you have a drone that can also hack the same point that you don't have to be there. So do you go in there, use the drone, to take out the guards as you go, or do you just walk walk right in there behind the guards? Or do you just go in guns blazing and... Yeah. Terminator style, you know. It's it gives you so much freedom of choice to just do what you want to do rather than what the game thinks you must do. Because it doesn't even penalize you for being lethal or non-lethal. Which I love. I hate when games penalize you for picking a play style. Yeah, like how Dishonored kind of penalizes you for for playing it the fun way. Uh, Deus Ex also does that. Yeah. Like, you're actively penalized if you don't use all their cool weapons, and I don't like that. I like when games are like, oh, hey, here's some cool weapons, you can use them if you want, because I'm not going to use them. I'm instead going to use the forklift, or yeah. the the scissor lift, or whatever I can get my hands on that's lethal, but also will never get me caught, because the guards won't know why the forklift is eating them. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun! I never thought I'd have so much fun running people over with a remote-controlled forklift. <laughs> like, even the protagonist is fun. Yeah, it's, I feel like the protagonist is definitely a direct response to Aiden from the first game. Because he was He's very... Like, he was like Altair from the first Assassin's Creed game. Like, he was just kind of bland in one note. Yeah, uh, Marcus is like an Ezio. He's very... He's very expressive. He's very talented almost like he's still like your typical ubisoft the best character in the game is your main character but he's a lot of fun to play and his dialogue is also equally fun because there's personality to him yeah like he'll go and he'll just chat these people up like he's known them forever and it's kind of insane (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've never experienced that kind of like, oh, what's the word for it? Like brazen. Brazen, yeah, that brazen personality. Like he's just so carefree. He knows yeah. what he's he has. He's sticking to his guns, and that's what he's gonna do. Yeah, I played. I feel like I played a good chunk of Watch Dogs too. Like definitely like like over around ten hours, I would say. So I didn't finish it or anything, but like I do remember really enjoying the time I had with it. Just got distracted by other things. Yeah. No, it's a, it's legitimately <clears throat> a stellar game. 
Yeah, and I'm I think excited for Legion. Yeah, I'm kind excited. I was gonna. I was just about to say, like, with the trajectory they're on, I think Ubisoft does a really good job of like incorporating criticism into their sequels. They I think do. They're really good at that. Ubisoft is a pretty good company these days. They definitely went a while where they were pretty low low tier for me, but lately they've been, they they've been actively improving. I think. Yeah, they listen to criticisms unless it's Far Cry, and then they don't. <laughs> Because I'm, I haven't played a Far Cry since four. Because every Far Cry after three was just Far Cry three in a different region. <laughs> yeah, I've never played any of them, so I almost picked up Far Cry five. Because if you haven't played any of them, just pick up, pick up. Yeah, they're. I, I don't or know. Four. Far Cry games to me are like a lot, like really dumb fun. Like I just enjoy them, but I don't expect to get like anything meaty out of them. Far Cry three was probably the best, largely because it was the first that did that whole. You have an entire island, do what you want. And then they just kind of kept doing it, and they didn't add anything necessarily, or anything meaty enough to make it a proper sequel. Which Ubisoft did have a problem with this for a while, especially with their yearly games. Yeah. You know, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, but to their credit, you know, like, they started to get crit- criticism for that, and they stopped doing that, so I, I credit where yeah. credit's due. They stopped releasing yearly Assassin's Creeds. Now they're releasing when they're done, instead of rushing out the same game every year. Yeah, as it should be. Coat of paint. Now, if only other games companies would realize yearly games are not something we want. See, Activision will never realize that because Call of Duty is still the best-selling franchise in the world. So I don't know why. It, I just don't like seeing yearly games. It promotes crunch, it promotes and lack of innovation. Well, I will say for Call of Duty, they have three different studios making Call of Duty games, so they're like on a three-year cycle, right? Yeah, so that's a lot better than like you have one Ubisoft studio making every Assassin's Creed. And, and, or and, and I think Ubisoft now has like... Ubisoft has like a stupid number of studios. They have like over ten, I think. I think I can jump in uh, and give my my spiel here. I actually don't have too much to report this week. I've been playing some more Civ 6, just as a so- sort of, I guess, cool down from The Last of Us Part 2. And I've also started a, a new uh, new game plus on Last of Us Part 2, uh, which is actually kind of surprising to me, because after I beat the game, I was like thinking to myself, there's no way I'm going to play this for like a long time, just because it's so heavy, and like I don't know if I could do it again, but like after processing it for several days, I was like, yeah, I want to play it again. So... Yeah, I've already given my spiel on The Last of Us Part 2 last week. So, nothing too exciting for me this week. So Yeah, yeah. and you had that whole spoiler cast. Yeah, I don't know if... Uh, yeah, so I... A couple of my friends had beaten the game, and they don't really podcast or anything, but I was like, yeah, I'm desperate to talk about this game, so you're going to come on and we're going to talk about it. But you're I'm come I, on to my podcast. But if, if, if you two ever play and beat the game i'm absolutely willing to talk about the story with you guys because i do think it's a very uh, weighty story with a lot to unpack but yeah okay i think that will do it for us this week thank you guys for listening you can follow us at ad podcast game talk on twitter please like rate and review us on any podcast service you may use and please click the link in the description of the podcast to join our discord and chat with us there thank you connor and mike yep And we'll see you next time. Bye.